Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada, and we are actually uh, starting what I would call probably part four of a discussion on postmodernism. Uh, uh, the last episode, we really talked about social justice, and I mean, we talked for an hour and 45 minutes, so if you didn't listen to that one, we're going to be really building on that one, so maybe you go back, listen to that one first. Hour and 45 minutes, though, so you might have to break it up into... <laughs> three different parts for yourself because unless you have an hour and 45 minutes straight to listen to something but you might have to listen to 20 minutes in your car and maybe 20 minutes while you shovel your driveway out or whatever and then just chip away at it but we're going to be building off of this this topic of social justice really the idea that okay you have this word justice we as christians really like this word it's a good word but the world defines justice a completely different way really and the world calls certain things just that Scripture just blatantly calls unjust. And so we really have to look at the definition of these terms before we just accept them and adopt them and, and baptize them as Christian terms and bring them in. And Ultimately, what we landed on, though, is that when it comes to the gospel, the gospel, the gospel is the thing that changes somebody's heart. It is the word that changes somebody's heart. It's the power of God for salvation. And when the gospel comes to somebody and it, it affects them supernaturally and changes their heart. And the Spirit enters into somebody and regenerates their heart. They're given a new mind, a new will, new desires, a new ability, an ability to actually kill their sin and live in obedience. So if we want to defeat racism and things like these social issues in our culture, we have to do it with the gospel. We can't do it with these world these, these world man-made tools, really, that, that are from the world. We can't do it with critical race theory. We can't do it with this idea of white privilege. We can't do it with intersectionality. We can't do it with these certain social policies and things like that. we got to do it with the gospel. And out of the gospel, the gospel changes the heart of man. And the scriptures, uh, it, they dis- it discerns the intentions of the, of the heart. And so through the scriptures and through the word and through the gospel, then we are able to put to death that flesh, that sin in us. And out of that then obviously comes this reality that every man, every woman, is created equal in the image of God. They have equal honor, worth, dignity, value. And then you can actually see somebody as equal. So we got to use the gospel. But really where I want to start to go in this episode is... This idea that okay, God doesn't create us equal in the sense of some people are born into this world disabled, some people are born into this world poor, some people are born into this world in extreme wealth, some people are born with white skin, some people are born with dark skin, some people, you know, are born with just... I don't. I mean, I don't know how to say it. Not a lot of brains. They're just intellectually. They're just their cerebral capacity. However, you want to say it, isn't as high as some others. I mean, you could say IQ is kind of a real thing. Some people just have higher IQs than others, and that's just a reality. And you know, we we tend to live in a culture now where any disparity, any inequality, even if it's just inerrant to who to where you're born and who your parents are, it's like. We automatically want to say that's unjust, and we automatically want to assign blame to somebody. Somebody is to blame for me being born into poverty, whatever it is. And certainly we live in a fallen world where sin does affect every part of our world. Uh, And so there is probably 
a chance that that you could probably go back and see certain sinful decisions made in your made in your ancestors' past that brought it about, you know, brought about your poverty that you're born into. But ultimately, though, as Christians, and we see why the world can go this way, and the world can freak out about, oh, that's not fair. There's we need to be fair and equal in every regard. But as Christians, we realize, no, but God created me and put me in the place he wanted me to be, literally. God created me, knit me together in my mother's womb, made me the gender, the sex that I am, made me uh, the color skin that I am, gave me this certain amount of melatonin, melanin in my in my DNA, or the genes that, you know, coded for a certain amount of melanin. Like, made me the height that I am, the the level of attraction that I have. Some people you could just say are objectively more attractive than other people you know i was born in the middle of minnesota like that i couldn't control that 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 explains a lot yeah explains a lot (laughs) i i mean i can't control these things i can't control these things nobody can control who they're born to and when they're born god controls it god brings in life god knits people together in their mother's womb and when we start to realize that everything that I have, whether I have less or more than, you know, Joe Blow down the street, I have to realize that whatever I have is a gift from God and I have to steward it faithfully for the glory of God. So if I'm born poor, I still have something. I have life. I have certain, some material things. I have something and I have to steward it for the glory of God. It's no excuse to live still for your own self gain. It's no excuse wherever you're born, whoever you're born to, whatever you know country you're born in. It's no excuse to live to gratify the desires of the flesh. And I think we miss that as Christians born into this this Western postmodern society. Hmm. Um, we start to you think we're entitled to things, and we start to see things as unfair. And we go realize like I the the fact that I have breath in my lungs right now and the fact that my heart is beating is a gift from God and I don't deserve it. And I'm going to steward each day for the glory of God. And we're going to stop looking around and say, well, so-and-so has more than I do. That's not fair. And we'll get it to some scriptures that actually, that actually happens. Um, and so the first scripture, I mean, what do you think about that, Dan, before I really get into some scriptures? Well, you kind of went out on a little soapbox there well, a little you, bit. Yeah, you started preaching. Oh, man. So... In the best sense of that, it's fine. No, I don't have much more to add right now. I I do think this discussion revolves. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Like this comparison and yeah. group to group and accepting uh, who God has created you to be and where He's placed you, and um, um, being content with that. Right, grateful. Actually, let's, let's not even go content. Let me go to gratefulness. Yeah, gratefulness. You know, it's a really interesting thing, isn't it? Like. Like you, you go to the tenth commandment in your scriptures, and um, Paul emphasizes this in Romans uh, seven, I believe. Um, now I got to look it up because I'm curious. <laughs> Trying to look up some scripture too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what shall we say then? Is the law of sin? May it never be in the country. I would not have come to know sin except through the law, for I would not have known what coveting. Uh, about coveting, if the law had not said you shall not covet. I just find it interesting that um, 
he focuses on this coveting idea. And when you really think about it, you think about the Ten Commandments and thou shalt not covet is the Tenth Commandment. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure most of us think of that that often. We think of it in terms of um, riches or, or material things, right? Do not covet your neighbor's boat or whatever. Um, when actually this coveting goes again back to the garden, and it's desiring something you were never created to have, and it's desiring to be somebody. That's the big one to me. Um, it's uh, desiring to be somebody or something, somebody you were never created to be. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. And so you think about this. What is coveting? It's just a desire. Yeah. You know, we talked in the last podcast about desires. Desires right. can be sinful. Well, well, it is. It's, right. it's a coveting. You desire something. Oh, I wish I was taller. I wish I was that athlete. Right. Or I wish I was that, you know, if you're a young woman, maybe you, I wish I had that beauty of right. some woman. Right. Or whatever it is it's that you, we covet. And and and, and so the, in the scriptures, the, the, the contrast to coveting is, um, you could say contentedness, but you could say gratefulness. Yeah. And, and, and there's this acceptance and this gratefulness that God created me for his glory right and so you know you're you're focusing on a couple aspects one is there is this active part that we play you know we're saying how do i glorify god Mm -hmm. in my life how do i represent him well in my life but there's another whole part of this that's a very passive side Mm. like god glorifies himself through my life Mm -hmm. um uh i remember one time coming out of a doctor's office um and there was somebody there, uh, a patient that somebody, yeah, let me step back. I was coming out of an office and there was this woman laying on this little gurney. Think of a little, you know, a gurney, a little platform that had yeah. wheels on it. Kind yeah. of thing. It wasn't at a hospital. It was actually, actually a doctor's office. And you could tell the little gurney was like this little portable thing. And what it was is this, this woman that was laying on it was um, completely disabled. Hmm. All of her limbs were curled up and she probably couldn't have weighed I'm going to guess between 70 and 100 pounds. Hmm. And she laid on this gurney, all kind of sh- her hands and her feet were all shriveled up. And she kind of had a half smile on her face. And you could tell, very extremely handicapped person. Hmm. And they were there at this uh, eye, ear, nose, throat person. So somehow maybe dealing with their hearing or something. That was I was there for a specialist on that. But what, what I found fascinating is there were these two women who were there pushing this disabled woman around and helping this disabled woman. Hmm. And I thought it was fascinating. How does that disabled woman lay there? How does she glorify God? Was the thought I had. How yeah. does she glorify God? She can't say anything. She can't do anything. All she can do is lay there. Now think about this and be an object, an object, a human person. I don't mean an object like just a, a, right. a, a hunk of anything. I mean like a human person, but in a sense, an object of love, an mm. object of compassion. And the smile on these other two women the look on these other two women who were caring for her was just angelic. Hmm. And I thought her whole purpose in this life is to be this object that needs tremendous care that provides this expression, this, this service, this job, yeah. this calling of these other two women. Wow. And somehow that's putting the glory of God on display. Right. I just thought it was fascinating. Right. I just thought, and, and, and again, in our lives, we have these responsibilities and we all know that, but, so the point being is, I think what strikes me again is if we're going to talk about a Christian, you know, view of life, God's reality, um, yes, he, he allots each of us. He calls each one of us to be uh, a certain, uh, a male or female. He yep. calls each of us to be a certain ethnic background. Yep. Um, he gives each one of us, you know, strengths and weaknesses. Right. 
And that's not our choice. Right. And, and I think we said it earlier in a podcast, it's kind of like this, like you've been created, you're, you're, even your DNA has been created a certain way. I'm created, say, a male. Yep. And now my responsibility to the capacity that I have is to be, um, if you will, step into that, be conformed to that, embrace that, and mature in that reality that God has given me. Right. So if he has given me, frankly, um, a, a, a gift of intellect, yeah. I am supposed to cultivate that. Yeah, steward it. Yep, you, it's it's stewardship. I'm supposed to do something with yep. this. Yep. And some people have a higher intellect than another. Yep. Some people have more, you know, depending on the culture, right? Even that gets defined by a culture. But you kind of go, yeah, that person's just pretty. They're they're, they're physically beautiful. Right. I mean, right. You know, there's just they're just we just, we just, just know when somebody's beautiful. Yeah, it's just, just a reality. Look it's reality. Yeah. It's like wow, look at that. And now, of course, that gets always tips over, especially for us guys, into a weird place if we're not careful. But right. but there is a beauty there. There's mm-hmm. just an in, inherent beauty. Uh, even a physical beauty of human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, the great uh, statue of David was trying to capture something, you know. Yeah, right. You know, Leonardo da Vinci was trying to capture these things, the the the, the, the non-material, what we already talked about, metaphysical beauty right. in this thing, which is an actual object on this earth. There's something mm-hmm. inherent in that thing. So all of us have that, and then, the, the yeah, and so affirming what you're saying, and I think I know where you're going with it, but... I, I, I'm probably going on a rabbit trail, but we are to be grateful and look at who God created us to be and thank him for that. Exactly. And the scriptures tell us that even our sufferings, right? even our failures, even our um, blemishes, if you want to say it that mm. way, our struggles, um, our beauty or lack thereof, our, our IQ or lack thereof, mm. and say, oh, this is who you've created me to be, Lord. And with this, now I'm a steward of whatever this is. And I've been called to glorify you with this. Right, exactly. And you could say maximize it, mature it. Right. Um, uh, become efficient hmm. with it. Um, again, some of these men out there speaking, even non-Christians, are talking about this. They talk about competence. Right. Becoming competent. It's, it's the same idea, I think. It's the idea of like, okay, I am to step up to the plate and become all I'm supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. And the office, opposite, again, is either coveting others or even truly, that would be a different discussion we could have, but it's slothfulness. You know, it's, oh. there's a slothfulness that we see that uh, oh. we've been warned about, you yep. know, a sluggard, yep. you know, is the old term in the, in yep. the Proverbs, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're all kind of prone to do that. So, yeah. So, so go ahead. You had I some, mean, it's just some scripture to back this up. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, let's, before I get into some scripture, like, and James White really talks about this too, Dr. James White. Okay, if we if we have this idea of white privilege, okay, what is... We don't see white privilege in the Bible, obviously. Hey, hey, define that real quick, just for your... Basically, mm. like, simply the fact that I'm white, born in America white, mm-hmm. I know you, you could pray, maybe even just call it majority privilege, but yep. okay. we, we could say that white's because they're the majority culture, majority, whatever, skin color, whatever it is, yeah. because it's whites are made up of a bunch of ethnicities. Yeah. Uh, they have just inherent privileges that yeah. make that make them make life easier for them, better access to jobs, easier access to band aids that match your skin, uh, better access to good education, mm-hmm. uh, you know, better whatever it is. Just seems like there's just all these privileges that come from just simply being white. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, then if you have uh, wealth or you have anything, it is automatically then attributed to your whiteness so maybe there is a sense where there was a very poor you know white boy orphan born in the streets uh you know homeless Mm -hmm. but 
somehow he got out of that, worked his way up, got a, you know, got a, a high school diploma, got a college education, you know, mm-hmm. got into the business world, eventually became a CEO, made all this money. Doesn't matter. People would look at him now, white, rich, Mm-hmm. You got that from your privilege, so we don't. We don't, yeah. and that's just that's an extreme. Yeah, he's uh, trying to give an example. He's trying okay. to give an example. Sure. The point is, is that's all you go. That's all the further you go. That's all the factors you take into account mm-hmm. at assessing the privilege is simply your whiteness. Uh, instead of taking into account, well, maybe he has great intellect. Well, maybe you know, let's just look at what he did. Well, maybe it's because he worked his butt off. Yeah, and a lot of people work their butt they off. Are. Yeah, and the interesting thing is in. You know, certain people say this, Prager, uh, Ben Shapiro, certain people say this. Literally, they've done research, and this is this is pretty verified. Like, if you want to not be in the lower class, be in middle class, and actually live a really good life here in America, three things, you need to do three things. And that's it. No matter who you are, no matter where you're born, no matter yep. what color skin you are, three things. Yep. Graduate high school, get a high school diploma, uh, get any job. Any job. Yeah. Consistent work. Whatever Consistent work. And just Fine. keep that just, job. Just keep work. a job. Uh, and then the third one is don't have children out of wedlock. Yep. That's it. Yeah. It actually, doesn't matter. Actually, you could double that and say get married. Get married. Get married. Be get fa- married. Be, have a faithful be faithful. Marriage. Yeah, that's that's the point. That's yep. the point. Yep. Yep. And it's really fascinating, right? They, they, I mean, those statistics, like you said, are across the board. Across the board. You take the black community and, and say, okay, we have this black community that supposedly has this oppression. And I'm not saying things aren't difficult at times. Right. Okay, I'm not. So mis- don't misunderstand. But even there, that yeah. statistic holds true. Right. So you say, huh. So if a, a, a young man or woman will actually do those things. Right. They, 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 there's, it's less than 5% chance that they'll be in the lower class. Right. It's yeah. just that they they will they will flourish in yeah. uh, this uh, Western U.S. world. Yep. They, ju- they just do. Mm-hmm. And so, if they're not flourishing, that's the problem. The, you know, it's good that there's there's different people speaking on this, especially right. people that are from that that uh, that world and culture. They can speak to it, but maybe people will listen better. Yeah, like Candace Owens, people. Yeah, like there's that. people like that. Yeah, you know, and you know, it's one thing for me to say it. I didn't grow up with that. Right. So I have a, uh, I, I have a, you know. It's just, but they're speaking to that. Right. They're saying, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. This isn't just right. some white oppression thing that's done this. We, we've kind of done this to ourselves, right? Sure. So, so I don't want to go down that road. And, yeah. And I, don't not, really I don't either. even have a specialty there. I'm just listening to people yep. and it makes sense to me. But the bigger thing, the bigger issue here is for us, since this podcast is really about you know us being Christian and what does this mean and how do we deal with these things in the world, we have individually been called before God to to be grateful for who He's made me, and then to become competent, competent, yep. mature in that. Right, exactly. And so here's a here's a here's an interesting scripture. It's the parable of the talent. So it's mm-hmm. kind of one of the most you know well known parables. And it, go, it says this really. It's in Matthew twenty five, starting in verse fourteen. It says for. It will be like a man, he's kind of talking about the kingdom of heaven, I think, contextually. Jesus says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. 
And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I, where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was mine, my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth Mm. very interesting parable so Mm. there's some very key points here and as we start to think about it in in light of of the kingdom of god and god so god would be in this case the master we the servants so the master entrusts the servants with his property Mm -hmm. so we are entrusted as god's creatures with God's stuff. Even my very my body, my very life, everything that I am is God's and I'm entrusted with it. My very life, my body isn't even mine. Okay? So here's an interesting thing. Two, uh, the master entrusts varying amounts of money, talents, to these servants depending on their ability, it says. So... If we want to really dig into this, and maybe we we could, there's a sense where maybe we could take it too far, but it's probably in line with with understanding this this uh, passage that if God is the master, He creates us with different levels of ability, and we know this. We know this. Certain people just shouldn't be trusted to run a giant Fortune 500 company. Uh, there's certain levels of ability. Some people are just brilliant some people are extremely competent and have a a work ethic where they're able to run a billion dollar company and i'm not made to do that i don't have the ability to do that Mm -hmm. i'll admit it (laughs) i just don't have it and i don't you know there's certain things i can do that others can't there's certain things others can do that i can't there's certain abilities that we are that are made into us god makes us and gives us certain abilities and then he in a sense he really doesn't trust uh things to us depending on how he has made us yeah and the point is we have to steward it then and this is this is about stewardship so some he gives five talents some two some one and the point is it's very interesting in this parable the person that got the most money to steward if that makes sense they actually stewarded it faithfully and they were rewarded greatly uh, the person that did not get that much money, and if you would maybe think about him as just not getting much in this world, he decided not to steward the one talent. He would have he would have heard from his master, well done, good and faithful servant, if he would have just doubled it like everybody else did. 
even if that doesn't mean that it created 10 like the guy with five or created four like the guy with two, uh, you know, he just didn't do anything with it, was slothful, was lazy like Dan was saying, and just didn't double it. And so he really got cast into hell mm. where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so we see in this this parable that one, God does give us different abilities and trusts us varying amounts of resources to steward depending on that God-made ability and then expects us to steward it faithfully. Yeah, that's good. And it's just interesting. Like we, we expect complete equality in this, in this world that we should have the same all the way through, but we're automatically born, not the same. So then we have to redistribute so it's it's very interesting. Just it's just not how we are. It's not how we're created. We're created differently. We're create diverse uh, in that regard. But whatever you have, you're called the steward. Yeah. And then there's another passage that I want to talk about that I think really lays it out pretty clearly. And this is at the end of the gospel, uh, end of uh, the Gospel of John. Okay, I'm going to be reading in John chapter 21, starting in verse 15 all the way to the end of the chapter. And just notice to this discussion that that Peter has with, with Jesus, and this is after Jesus was crucified, rose again, and then it's a period of time where he's visiting his disciples, a period of 40 days where he visited his, his disciples and said some things to them. But he says this, or John, the Apostle John is writing this in the end of John. He says, starting in verse 15, when they had finished breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you, carry you where you do not want to go. This, he said, to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said lord who is it that is going to betray you when peter saw him he said to jesus lord what about this man jesus said to him if it is my will that he remain until i come what is that to you you follow me so the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die yet jesus did not say to him that he was not to die but if it is my will that he remain until i come what is that to you i'm going to stop there so the point is, is here we we're here we have a discussion between Jesus and Peter, and you know Jesus asks Peter, "Do you love me?" And Peter starts to get work up, worked up because he's like, "Yes, I love you." He says again, "Do you love me?" "Yes, I love you." And you could say it's kind of uh, referring to how how um, G- Peter denied Jesus three times. So now you could say it's probably related to that. Now Jesus asked Peter three times after he was raised back to life, "Do you love me?" Uh, but then he tells him how he's going to die. He tells, Jesus literally tells Peter how he's going to die to glorify him and then tells him to follow him. 
And then Peter, in his, you know, sinful flesh, turns to the Apostle John following them and says, well, what about him? What about him? Is he going to die? Because you just described a pretty bad death. Now, what about him? And Jesus says, what about him? You follow me. Don't worry about the Apostle John. I just told you how you're going to die to glorify me. It's about me. And now you're looking at John and saying, well, pointing fingers? Well, that's not fair. What about him? And Jesus literally goes, well, what's it to you if he never dies? And so that's why you know the Apostle John's actually writing this because it's the Gospel of John. And so there's kind of a rumor that went around that he wasn't going yeah. to die, but he never said he wasn't <laughs> going to die. He's just saying, well, what if, what if he never dies? What if he never tastes death? That doesn't matter. You don't even worry about that. I tell you to follow me. Yeah. And that's the point. We so easily just start to point fingers and we look around and we go, oh, look at what that person has. Look at how much money they have. Look at the career they have. Look at, you know, the spouse they have. Look at this. Look at that. Look at what they were born with. Look, they were born, you know, I I hear it a lot where I live up in North Dakota. Man, I wish I was born a rich farmer, North Dakota farmer with, you know, 15,000 acres. I can drive a combine all day and make all this money. And I hear people say that. And, oh, that's lucky. And, I mean, whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is, is like we're we're so quick to point fingers. We're so quick to look horizontally rather than vertically. And Christ says to look vertically. He says, follow me. Fix your eyes on me. Pick up your cross. Follow me daily. Don't worry about what other people are doing around you, mm. whether they have more or less. You've been entrusted with something, with a life, with if you're a Christian, with faith, with gifts that God has given you. Steward it. Follow me. But man, we're so easily prone to envy, to look around, to compare ourselves, to covet. It's crazy, really. Yeah, I think I mean I think this 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 account alone totally drops a bomb on this whole idea of of uh distributing resources hmm. equally. Mm-hmm. It just drops a bomb on it. For a Christian to even think of that way is just seems crazy to me. Drops a bomb on Marxism, drops a bomb on communism, drops a bomb on socialism. I mean, I <laughs> it's funny R.C. Sproul, we we just, you know, before this, we read the parable of the talents. He actually used that parable to prove that God is a capitalist. But that's a different different thing. But we're not going to go there. But, man, I mean, makes you think, though. Do you have anything? I've been talking a lot, Dan. (laughs) I'm just listening to you. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, is part of what you're trying to say, Sam, I think, if I understand right, and I'm sure people can pick up on this, is that the idea, or yeah, the, the, the idea, however we, we figure out the root, we could call it the cultural Marxist root, or you know, socialism, all these different titles, is that there's this idea, there's this idea in the air, and the idea is that uh, we are all supposed to have uh, a perfectly uh, equitable outcome for all of us. Yeah. And somehow we're all supposed to be this sameness yeah in in outcome right and maybe even sameness and opportunity in the sense of iq is not supposed to count right size isn't supposed to count whatever right 
And I think that's what you're trying to address, yeah, which, which is an interesting thing, right? Think, yeah. of, think of this. Think of this. Like, at the, Okay, so we have talked over this four-part series somewhere in here, and I don't remember where it came up, that what um, our world does as it's controlled and manipulated by Satan, and not sovereignly controlled, God's over everything, so I want to qualify that, but he'll, he gives this reign, this power to Satan. Everything becomes a counterfeit. Like create, Satan yeah. couldn't create anything. He always has to counterfeit something that's real and good. Right. And there are certain things we know within us that are that are just true. We right. just know because we've been made to know because we um, are created in God's image. And so, sort of where I'm going with this is like one of the things I find interesting in this is there's this huge discussion uh, about. Uh, unity and diversity. Right. You know, you go to any university today and talk about diversity, 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 diversity. They have probably a diversity department. Yeah, right, right. That's, yep. and, and, and there's a different discussion there to be had that's very serious and important. But but, I, but I'm trying to get to a point. Like, like, like even the person that doesn't want to hold to a Christian worldview, that doesn't see what God has created, doesn't recognize that God is the perfect unity and diversity, they talk a lot about unity and diversity. Right. But isn't it interesting, while we talk about unity and diversity, there's also this idea that everything's supposed to be the same. Right. I'm like, no, wait a minute. You can't have it both ways. Right. And once again, what I find fascinating in the discussion is that in the end, in this consummation of all things, a new heaven, new earth. Again, we, we've talked about it different ways. We could say heaven, new heaven, new earth. This, this consummation when sin is removed there will be this truly this perfect unity and diversity right that we are like swept up in that right now we get tastes of it we get we can kind of get fingerprints of it but it's going to be like in its fullness it's and the center point is going to be Jesus yeah and we will be completely content and who we've been created to be yeah and we will be very diverse right and very different and yet we won't it won't be a complication for us right I, I just find that in itself yeah, interesting. So interesting. There won't be this angst for something I'm not supposed to be. There won't that, that that will be literally done away with. Sure. And I'll be totally satisfied with who God has created me to be. Yeah. And so as you read this these 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 Bible passages, you know, there's a couple others that, that jump out to me. I think of um, I think of Mary um, when 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 she's with child. Yeah. You know, the angel comes to her and speaks to her. And, and it's an interesting response that she has. She says, uh, you know, after she realizes she's pregnant, she, of course, she doesn't really understand that. I mean, she's not stupid, you know, because she's 2,000 years ago. They fully know how people get pregnant. Right. And she's <laughs> trying to figure this out, right? And so she, she accepts this word from God. And in Luke 1, uh, 38, she says, uh, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, speaking of herself, mm -hmm. I'm your slave, I'm your bond slave, I, I, I owe everything to you. May it be done to me according to your word, and the angel departed. And there was this just this this response of hers that she stepped into, right? This thing that God said. So there's a sense in which it's passive, in the sense like I accept from you what you have said. Yeah. But then she steps into it. Yep. Obviously, she carries this baby, comes to uh, full birth, and here the Messiah, the living God, comes into the wor world. In, in the form of this child, and it's pretty stunning, amazing mystery. Yep. We could talk about that. But the point being is that she, like, submits herself to this. Yeah. So you said this? Okay, I'm stepping into it. Yep. Another example I get to is with John the Baptist in John uh, chapter 3, where there's this, this conflict going on 
uh, and it's about the time, and you know we don't have time to labor it here, but it's a wonderful passage if you if you get a chance to read it and you look at it and like do a really good quick study of it because it's just it says some really neat things. But so it's getting to the end of G, uh, of, of John the Baptist's work now, his yep. life, his yep. ministry, because um, um, you know Jesus is now uh, uh, on the scene. Yep, and so. In this passage, John uh, chapter 3, 22, um, oh, you could just stop, even go down to verse 30. But um, there's this discussion, uh, a part of John's disciples with some Jews about purification. So there's some theological discussion going on. And uh, they come to John and said, Rabbi, he who is with you, speaking of Jesus, beyond the Jordan to whom you have uh, testified, behold, he, behold uh, he is like baptizing and all are coming to him. <laughs> so John, like all these people have been following you, but like they're kind of leaving you, John, and they're going to this other guy now. And the other guy, of course, is Jesus. And like, what's up with this? Like, like all the people at your church, John, are leaving. They're going down <laughs> the road to the other church. <laughs> right. And, and John is like, um, well, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Oh. And then he says, you yourselves are witnesses that I said I am not the Christ. But I have been sent ahead of him, and he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him. He rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice, so this joy of mine has been uh, made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. Mm. And it's just this wonderful picture, like, this was my role. Mm -hmm. This is what I was to do. And I did my part. In fact, you see later in in the Gospels, it's interesting, right? Uh, John's in prison. He's uh, going to be facing death here. And he's kind of has some doubts like, hey, what's up with this? Is this still Jesus that, you know, Jesus, are you the one? You're the Messiah. Right. And it's an interesting interplay, and we have different discussions. But the thing I want you to catch is like, uh, Jesus said, no, tell him, you know, what you've seen and heard that all these things are happening. It, 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 it's me, essentially. And But the thing is, he doesn't rescue John. Yep. John then gets his gets, he, head cut off yep. by some, you know, bratty woman and a bratty child. And I mean, it's kind of, oh, man. it's really a sad story. It there's, really is. There's no dignity to it, even in a certain sense. Yeah. But the point is, is like, no, that's very much, very much um, the call of God, the ordained reality. All things that come to pass are ordained by God. Right. John did his job. He did his purpose. My joy is full, fulfilled. I am now full. Right. And now... The way he is to die is this not-so-fun death. No, right. So so that's true for every one of us is the point, yeah. I think we're saying. And so the whole system of thought that's coming out of, again, we, we've said it, it kind of comes out of post-modernity. There's these tentacles. It's kind of showing itself, if you will, in this whole uh, social justice idea. It's this whole idea that everybody's supposed to get a trophy. <laughs> And I oh and I hate to go God. there, but I, I kind of wonder if that's oh like part of why we've got this problem. It's like oh. no, no, not everybody gets a trophy. No. We just don't. Like like no. And I and I'm grateful that if I don't, that well, no, that's that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I didn't get a trophy. I don't really want to. It's, it's okay. I, I yeah. You know, um, I loved sports and I loved basketball. And I loved playing, and I always had this longing. Truly, I mean, it's funny. Even as I get older, there's still longing. So I'd like to. I even have dreams some night. Like. I'd like to go back and still become like this Division One great All American basketball player. There's something in me that always wanted that, you know, <laughs> and I don't get it. I didn't get it. Okay, and I, I, I 
to the level I did. I became a pretty good basketball player. I did get a few awards. And, you know, a lot of people would have said I was really good. Well, it was all the context, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't uh, uh, KU basketball, which is where I live. I mean, these guys are amazing. Right. And so I'm in awe of watching these guys. But I, here's my point. In a certain way, in a certain way, these guys don't really get the pat on the back. I mean, like God kind of wired them pretty big and strong. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm sitting here looking at Sam, and he's like this ripped wrestling guy. Yeah, short. Short. You're smaller statue. Sam, I, you're not going to play ball at KU. Nope. Uh, not going to do it. Not going to happen. And but so, uh, it's my passion. I know. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but it's my passion, yeah. Dan. And so, you know, so anyway, I think what we're trying to say here is that the, the the let's go back to this. the biblical view. When I say biblical, I even I even hate saying that because I would say the God's eye view. God has revealed reality to us, and the reality He has revealed to us is not the sense like everybody gets the same thing. Right? It's it's just not. That's the problem I think we're dealing with. And so when that gets imposed on us as somehow that's what justice is, man, we've got a real problem because it's flying in the face of. Uh, of the picture that God gives us right. of the world, mm-hmm. and and it, and it can't work. And of course, it ends in revolution. And of course, it ends in you know. Even I was thinking back in our last podcast, we talked about like even these these more atheistic or agnostic uh, academics. Yeah, uh, again, brilliant guys. I, I'm in awe of their brilliance. Honestly, uh, I disagree with some of their conclusions, um, but they're like. When they're asked by uh, Michael Fallon, the Christian of Sovereign Nations, like, so where does this end? <laughs> the guy says, oh, bloodshed. Yeah. I mean, that's where this ends. Complete I mean, chaos. It can't no, work. There's it no end say, goal, really. It, it can't work. I mean, right. again, God's created a real world, and then he's given us a, a, a real word that says, this is how you operate in this world I created. Yep. And it really does work, and you flourish, and you mature, and... But if you violate, you go, you you come up with a different construct. Yeah, and there's always a sense of that it's a counterfeit. It's kind of like what God is saying, but it's always a little different. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're it's not going to work. It's going to be destructive. Right. Right. And that's what probably there is this um, what we're seeing, mm. and there's this concern. And again, mm. in a, in the co belligerent sense, there's many people that have concern about what this means. Hmm. And we should not be baptizing it with Christian language. Yeah, it should it's not be brought into the church. We should be speaking clearly from the Scripture on this issue. Yeah, and so, and I think that's where you wanted to. Uh, I think that's what you're saying. It's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think, you got it. That's you know, what I'm saying. It seems to me what you're saying. It's so. what I'm saying. I mean, wow. Like it's, you know, I tend to think, I tend to think that my highest views of God are going to turn out to be so low. Oh, heaven, yes. And and my lowest views of myself, I, I don't mean that like a, like a low self-esteem or anything like that, just mm-hmm. like are going to turn out to be far too high. I probably, think my, I probably think of myself far too high. I think I'm so sweet, so awesome, so cool. Way more than I should, and I probably think of God far little mm-hmm. far smaller than he truly is and it's like man god we think we deserve so much we think we should have so much we think we're entitled to so much we're so jealous of everybody else i mean it's just never ending too it's never ending 
And you look at these testimonies, these people that have everything that the world has to offer. Everything. Mm-hmm. Wealth, fame, notoriety, success mm-hmm. in their career, in their trade, whatever it is. You know, for, for, oh, man of the world, all these beautiful women, whatever it might be, whatever they want, they got. And it's just like, you hear testimonies, though, of these people. They're still empty. Oh, my goodness. It can't and, it's, and, it's, and it's almost, the emptiness is almost... If it, it it is worse because now you realize yeah. that you've had everything, and it still is not fulfilling. And isn't that the book of Ecclesiastes? Mm-hmm. Solomon had everything the world had to offer. Yeah, I've spoken on many times on this that I I think kind of summarizes this this dilemma is um, Ephesians four. Um. It says something very interesting that, that ties with what we're saying here. Ephesians 4.17 uh, says, So this I say, and I affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. Now listen now, in the futility of their mind. Ooh. Okay. Now this idea of walk is actually obviously journey. Don't live, don't process, don't do life like the Gentiles do. Now think about this: the futility of their minds. Yeah. Now futility—it's they're spinning a wheel. It's the—it's the hamster on the cage, and and you have this futility. You're going after this stuff, and it's in your mind, and you're spinning on a wheel, and it just goes and goes, and you never get anywhere. Yep. You don't go anywhere. Futility. And then he says, then he goes on and says, being darkened in their understanding, they're excluded from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. Now, mm. now catch this. Um, this excluded from the life of God is what we could have said from the previous podcast. This is what we mean by flourishing. Yeah. Now, remember what we've said. Like, God has created a real world. It's very real, very physical, and very there's a, a non-material part of our world. It's very real. And then he has spoken to us and said, this is how this works. Yeah. And he's given us the picture and the understanding of reality that we would step into that and flourish. Hmm. So we come up with all sorts of awry ways of doing it. We've talked about that, whether it's, you know, all sorts of things. And um, and when we do that, um, we don't flourish. Now, in the moment, we may feel high and feel pleasurable sensations and all sorts of things to think, hmm. oh, this works. Well, it can't work because God never made it that way. You're you're defying, if you will say it this way, I had a friend say it this way, God created a moral universe. Mm-hmm. He created a world to work a certain way, even morally. And if you defy it, oh, you can defy it for a while. You, again, you may even get a zing out of defying it for a while, but it won't last. It will destroy you huh. because you're going contrary to the way you were created to operate. Yeah. Feel like putting water in my gas tank, right? Like, like it just can't work. And so, this, um, this, this idea of stepping out of the ex- excluded from the life of God—that actual word in our scripture—is this sense of this, this life, this fullness, this, this flourishing. That also in our scripture then lends itself to the realities. Not only do I flourish here, but I, I've stepped into eternal life, the fullness of life mm. that never ends. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're excluded from that. You're darkened in your understanding. And listen now, and then they become callous. So now you're calloused. Yep. So you lose feeling. You know how calluses work on your hands. You, there's a sense that you actually lose feeling. Right. So guess what you do? You give yourselves over. This is what the text actually says: having given themselves over to sensuality, for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. 
Huh. Okay. So let me let me just quickly translate that for you. Um, you give yourself over to sensuality, sex, drugs, rock and roll. You give yourself yeah. over to this yep. thing that yep. we've been talking about. And let me say it this way, with a continual lust for more. Like, you can never get enough. You can't get out of the pit. You can't get out of it. And it's here's the other part. This is why this passage is so fascinating, and it fits with everything we've been talking about over these four parts. Remember, we've said God gives us a picture of the world, that yes, we use our rational minds, and yes, we use our senses, and we understand physical, real things, because God created that. Yeah. But he also created a non-material world, and he gives us information about that. So right. we understand justice and beauty and the soul and the things of God and the experiences of life. He, he gives us a frame to understand those things, a fullness, right? Yeah. Well, the fact here is, is that when you are given over to this idea of greediness or this idea of a, a continual lust for more, okay, it's not just your existential experience, which it is. Like, mm-hmm. you can't get enough of this. But isn't it interesting? It actually affects your body. You actually physically get addicted to things. Right. It's like the two things again, these two worlds of the immaterial material come together in this one whole and and a person actually physically, right? Yep. Gets addicted. And and I deal with this, you know, um, my 35 years of ministry has been dealing with men in the communities, you know, adult, say an adult world. I've never, you know, I mean, I, I speak on campuses and, and to youth and things, but most of my life's been with these adult men, if you want to say it that way, uh, you know, come alongside them, whether it's the jail or in the community or the business. And I've seen a lot of addiction. Right. Right. I just have alcohol, drugs. I mean, I've been around, I'm with, I'm frankly around it every single week. Yep. I'm with people that I care about and know that deal with this. And it's an awful thing. Yep. But all I'm trying to say is it's not just physical. That's what's so fascinating. It's like you could say spiritual, it's emotional, it's chemical, and it's it's the whole package. And that's what this is saying. If you abandon this view of God, you abandon the mind of God, um, you will become hardened, you'll become calloused, you will try to fill your life with something else. You could call it idolatry, but you will continue to lust it. You'll never be able to fulfill it, so it will not work. Right. And so, in, interesting in that, then, let me just say one more part of that that's kind of a, a fascinating, deep theological, Not, yeah, I suppose it's deep, but just here's the point. You and I have been created, okay, Yep. to worship, uh, to glorify, to enjoy the God who is infinite. Yeah. Okay? So when we try to come up with a counterfeit to God and replace it with drug, sex, rock and roll, or whatever this thing is we pursue, <laughs> we want to turn it into something infinite. Oh. And in a strange way, it's the same thing. You can't get enough. You can't get enough. So you talk to, you know, good counselor friends of mine that deal with, like, sexual addictions, and they, like... I mean, it gets worse and worse and worse. Right. You have to have more of some kind of unbelievable experience. It gets crazier and crazier and crazier. I, I don't even want to think about it, but, you know, you guys can imagine what I'm talking about. It, it's got to be more intense, more crazy, more wild to try to get to that same place maybe initially you you started. Right. Because you're becoming calloused. Oh. And it's awful th- thought, and it's like again that think of the, the hamster, hamster really. on the wheel, the squirrel on the wheel. Like you just you just spin, 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 and you can never get there. You can never get there. You can never get there. You never get there. Totally trapped. Totally trapped. Oh. So the amazing thing is that when we step into the reality of a relationship with God, and we understand His life and His Word, and we apply it to our world, and we apply it to our lives, we actually get a sense of fulfillment and in flourishing 
in even in this lifetime. Yeah, we do. Now we never get it to the extent we long for it. Right. And you know why? Because you can't have it with the fallen world. We're right. under a curse. Right. Right. So you won't get it fully until the new heaven and the new earth. But man, that's not to say you can't have tastes of it here. You get tastes. You really, oh, really, really, really good. sweet fellowship that doesn't destroy you. Sweet, oh. sweet, sweet marriage. Mm. Sweet even romance in marriage that like is like guilt free, like freedom Amazing. to actually enjoy. Uh, you know, a relationship, enjoy the physical relationship like we've actually been made for that. Yeah. And there's this place to enjoy that in this life. But again, because of our stinking sinful hearts, we want to think, oh, but if I just went over there and tried that apple, maybe I'd get something. Oh. No, 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 no. You've just stepped into something. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I know Jordan Peterson brings this up, and I've always thought of this fascinating story. It was fun that, you know, so many more popular in the world brought it up but like i think of the story of pinocchio all the time pinocchio oh they thought they were really going to get a really good deal i want to be a real boy yeah. and i want to get this thing and well, let's go entertaining and bubble and we'll take you to this wonderful island and you know and we have now these these festivals here in the united states you know the burning man oh uh, yeah in the desert uh, and, and it's like this this pagan orgy festival yeah where people can do anything they want yep and it's like Pinocchio on the Fantasy Island thing. You know, I've thought you, about that. And you turn into another being that, that by the time you're done, you're like, you're something you don't want to be. I thought about that. Like, these, <laughs> these music festivals. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm from, I grew up in Minnesota, so I grew up in Perm, Minnesota. If you, I mean, literally 20, 20 30 minutes away from Detroit yeah. Lakes where we fest, the largest, yeah. Yeah. you know, country western music festival in the country. I think they just actually... We fest is no longer <laughs> the first year it won't be yeah. any longer. I've never been there. But I mean it's such a big deal around where I'm from. And you hear the stories. You hear the stories of We Fest or any other big giant music festival and you yeah. go, That sounds horrendous. Yeah. Just blackout drunk, puke everywhere, stinky <laughs> gross. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Sex. It's, well, and it's just lawlessness. Yeah, and it's like, it's oh, like, it's okay because it's WeFest. Yeah, so well, we, oh, we right. go there because, you know, yeah, oh, well, I look forward to WeFest because this is the you know the three days of the whole year where I can act like a total idiot. Well, okay, so so I found this fascinating. Like, okay, so I know people have done the Burning Man thing, and, and it's just kind of, you know, it's sad to me. And, I you know, people I love and care have participated in some of that stuff. And I, and I literally, I mean, it's been sad to me. And I and I think they say, oh, I've never felt felt so free, you know. And then and then here's the thing: even even the security, I was I was told this. Even the security, <laughs> even the security at the thing are dressed up like the people at the thing, so you don't know they're the security. So I'm like, okay, so you're really not free and secure. There has to be some guidelines, but we're going to pretend there's not. Yeah, man. I mean, think about it. It's like it's not real. It's not real. It's a mirage. But we're going to pretend this. And we're going to do this thing. Now, here's what's really fascinating to me. A few years ago, see, what they do at the end of that that festival, right, is they built this big effigy. Uh, it's a big tower in effigy of a man. Yep. And they light it on fire. Yeah. They burn it up. And here, a few years ago, at the end of that thing, when they lit that thing, some guy ran out in the, into the middle of the fire and killed himself. Right. He was the only sane one. <laughs> now, you go here, let people laugh at me and say, what? Think about it. He actually is following through with that entire imagery. Yeah. Like, this is where this leads. Yep. Burning man. Yep. Go throw yourself in the fire because that's all you got left. Wow. Go kill yourself. Wow. What are you living for? What's your purpose and your meaning? Pleasure? Uh, run that to the end of it and you won't even have any pleasure anymore. 
Right. You'll in fact, desensitize you t- yourself. Right. Well, Sam, tell me. I mean, you know about this. I have not even read about this particular, other than listening to some things you've said. You've been reading some of the research. Uh, these young men your age. Yeah, it's crazy. You know what it's I'm pornography. talking about? Yep. They've, they've been so involved in pornography and acting out on it that... Literally, they, they, they have erectile dysfunction. Yeah. Tw- I mean, 18 to 25-year-olds have some of the highest rates of erectile dysfunction out of any age group today. That's crazy. Yeah. See, and I don't know those That's statistics that you've told me, but yeah. See, because see, if you know you you know right. a man, a young boy, eighteen twenty five. Yes, his that bo- should not be happening. Yeah, his body's saturated with testosterone. Saturated with yep. it. So for the young women listening, please just it's, yeah, it's, it's to, hormonal. Not, it's home. It really is. More it really than, is. You know, it's it just really, the way it is. It's just the way it is. It's just the way so it is. So when you when you have when you've been so saturated with with this this disgustingly sick satanic pornography. Seeing things that you should never see. Right. Your brain gets so jacked up. Yep. The the, the research is, you know, the, these old, the older men, the older generation, that's what I was telling Dan about it, because the research is crazy. These old men, well, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I had my stash of Playboys or Penthouses or whatever the, the nudie magazines were back then. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Yeah. It's not the same thing. And what, what it's doing to the brain... Is 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 crazy? It's yeah. it, they literally compare it compare it to a, a, a really a severe heroin addiction. Yeah, and if you know anything about a heroin addiction, it's one of the hardest addictions to overcome. Yeah, what it's done to the brain is out of control. Right. So so think of what I was just this passage I just shared with you. Um, it's the same idea. You become so callous. Yep. That it ruins you. It ruins you. Ruins that's, you that's to actually real, extreme. true yep. sexual intimacy that you could have with a real woman in a marriage. In this life. Ruins you yep. to it. Yeah, it, and it's it, it's it's so, yeah, it actually makes me so sad. And it really it's crazy does. It's, because... See, again, you could talk about it like you're speaking down. Yeah. I, and and I'm not, I hope anybody can pick up on our voices. You're not, I, I legitimately sort of feel kind of teary-eyed over the loss. Yeah, unbelievable. That, that these young men have been created to be these warriors and these men that, that are devoted to a lifetime of caring and loving for a woman and expressing this right. into the world. Right. And it's like being stripped away. Yep. You can't have it anymore. It's like, oh my goodness. And and it's so sad to me. It really it's, is. It's it such grieves a, it's me. such a clear example too mm-hmm. of of the truthfulness of scripture. Scripture speaks truthfully about my situation. Right. About reality. Oh man. Sin has real consequences. Not just eternal consequences, but real life consequences now. Yep. And living a life of 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 out of control sexual passion has real world. Yeah. So physical consequences. Oh yeah, this is the thing. Now, so I think where we're trying to go with this, right, is we we kind of got off. I don't know if it's a tangent, and you're lead or you're leading the show. I'm not, but, <laughs> but but we started with social justice, and our whole point is is that there is a counterfeit. Yeah. Of the reality of God's world being introduced. Introduced. And it has been introduced, and it's saturating the world we live in. Absolutely. And it's coming into the church. Right. And it's taking the shape or this form that we're framing in this discussion of social justice. And it's saying something that really is contrary to to, the, to, to, scripture, to, to scripture, to the vision, to the reality. Let's say that, to the reality that God has given us and, and how he has defined us to live this thing. And it really is a counterfeit. Yep, and and we need to recognize it. It's easy to kind of just throw a label on something and throw it out, and I I don't quite want to do that. That's why I want to kind of dig at it and help people understand what we're saying. Yeah, it, but it really is a counterfeit, right? It, it truly is, yep. and 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 it's going to end up in 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 bad place. Yeah, it's going to end up in a real bad place. Oh man, 
It's like that stupid uh, vegetarian Whopper at Burger King. <laughs> you think that's stupid? Do you, do you think people really go and eat that thing? That's I don't even know if they do. I've I wondered that. I wonder, do people really want It's like, thing? man. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I took a, in too much of a, a, a light-hearted way, but man. It's not the real thing. Counterfeit money, <laughs> counterfeit whatever. And that's actually, you know, Nancy Percy is the one that I think revealed this, this kind of insight uh, is the Romans, you know, and you'll look at the Romans one progression, eventually you get down to, and God gives us over to a to, to base mind to do it, not, not to be done. Um, we're filled with all manner of, you know, evil, covetous, malice. And debased mind in the Greek, really the best way to translate it for us to understand it is is counterfeit. It's a counterfeit mind, counterfeit worldview. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, debased mind, counterfeit. Yeah, yeah. I think counterfeit, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Everything's these counterfeits. It's got, so right. it's got this, if I, I hate to even say it, but it's got this element of truth. Yeah. There's the subtle, right. short, it looks, well, it looks sort right. of the same thing. And it's, but it's just not. No, it's not it. It's not going to get yeah. the job done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, anyway. Yeah. Man. So we, I mean, we're already at an hour and five minutes. Oh, my. So we'll probably wrap it up for this, for this <laughs> episode, time. Yeah. episode number four. Okay. But hopefully we can continue discussion. And what I really want to do in the future, um, who knows how many more conversations we'll have before, you know, we have to go on our way because I don't live here with Dan Rudman. <laughs> uh, but I'd like to eventually, even in a sense, transition out of this topic of postmodernism, social justice, into more of this topic of <clears throat> church, parachurch things. And evangelism, job yeah. of evangelist, because I think that's it. It might be a totally different topic. Well, the segue, the segue, yeah. I think, would be good for another session. We could talk about it without, is where we see the social justice truly like um, coming in through the doorway of the church. Sure, that's an, yeah. Another I mean, that, that would be the discussion, I think. Yeah, and then to talk about that in light of um, some of these other applications sure. that probably more come into my kind of wheelhouse. I yeah. think is what you're saying. Yeah. And, yep. And I think that would really be a worthy discussion, right? That's exactly right. I think it'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hopefully you are learning something from listening to us ramble on in Dan Rudman's office. (laughs) But (laughs) we're having a we're having a lot of fun in here. Yeah, that's Uh, good. Surrounded by deer mounts and books and guns. (laughs) (laughs) You like talking about those deer mounts? Oh man! Oh, I you know goodness! You know we're talking, and all of a sudden I catch myself just like staring up at a. This giant white tail above Oh, they're me. just a gift, you know? And, you know, how wide is that one up there? How wide? That one right there? Yeah. He's 24. Yeah, I keep looking inside up Inside spread, at, yeah. That's I keep a big white tail. 24 inches inside spread. And if you know anything deer. about white tails, oh, that's wide. That was an incredible deer. Yeah, and he's just incredible. looking at me, so I can't yeah. <laughs> keep my eyes on Yeah, well, and it's fa- fascinating because I have all these pictures I said earlier in our early podcast, like, like, I was a little kid and I grew up in this and it's so funny here I am you know almost 60 years old and I remember being a little little tyke I mean I I have pictures I don't know if I remember all those scenarios like at two years of age standing next to my dad and a big deer you know yeah. <laughs> and I got pictures of literally my great grandpa with with big bucks and my grandpa with big bucks and you know and it's like <laughs> it, it's like this thread in it's my life legacy. as I'm saying I look at my life and I'm like yeah yeah you know I I, I was I just, destined to do this. I was destined to, you know, play around with a ball. In all fairness, I loved, you know, you know, 
basketball and football and things, and uh, and to chase these <laughs> these critters and bring home the meat, you know. And it's like it's like you know it's it's like it's in my roots, and uh, it's fascinating to me. And then of course we could have really without trying to um, turn it into something it's not. The the that has been. Um, what do I want to say? The the laboratory is probably not the good word. It has been the place in life that God has taught me many things. Mm. Let me say that way. He has He has shown Himself good to me and being incredibly kind and gracious to me and something that, that I enjoy. Um, but far beyond that is you know I think I talked earlier about being lost at fourteen or fifteen and yeah, these kinds of things. I I have literally you know chapters after chapters after chapters of stories like that in my life right of the men and the different people i've spent time with and the things that we've learned in the natural world of hanging out in the wilderness uh you and i were just talking today right i mean it's so easy to get all enamored with it and how tough and cool we are you know sam and i both this morning woke up this morning we're in my home we're kind of in this ice storm uh, snowstorm in kansas currently it's 17 degrees this morning right with, and with the wind blowing, I'm sure it was, you know, zero or whatever. Right. Chill factor. And we were saying, isn't this cool to, like, wake up in a warm bed? Yeah. <laughs> Man. Warm. You know, I, slept so in. we can act all t- rough and tough. But when it comes down to it, I sure enjoy a warm bed. Cup and of coffee. And my wife's laying next to me and a cup of hot coffee and when I can get a hot shower. And, oh, <laughs> so wow. we're pretty we're lucky. But honestly, though, it makes you have an incredible appreciation for both wild animals and how God's created them to survive. But... But just the world and, and a gratefulness for what God has given us. Right. That we have a sound mind today, that I can sit in an office and enjoy these things. Um, there's people that have much bigger places and much bigger deer. And But I am so content in life right now. Mm. Like I just, I'm like so grateful if I never uh, harvested another animal the rest of my life and just uh, enjoyed watching other people do it. I'm like, Lord, you have so blessed this man beyond what I could have imagined in an arena that was valuable to me. Isn't that, that's why I mean, it's kind of Crazy. weird. Like I know this doesn't mean anything to anybody else and that's okay. I'm, I'm yeah. like, I'm actually okay with that. Right. Like, no, of course that goes back to the thing we've been talking about, right? Like, no, but this is, this is kind of my thing. And yeah. I really love it. And I know other people love other things. Right. It's all good. God's been awesome. good. God's been good to this man. Yep. Well, that's it for this episode. All so right. hopefully you can tune back in for another discussion that we'll have as we continue to, Try to figure out some of this postmodern stuff and just, you know, the culture and how it affects the church. And, man, it's big stuff. It's a big topic. It's it's a really heavy burden, too. Yeah. Honestly, it really is. Because we, we don't just think this stuff is cool to think about. Like, we actually have a real burden on yeah. our hearts about seeing uh, the gospel proclaimed. And the gospel pr- protected. Really protected. Yeah. And the church protected. Yeah, and... and, and- Gosh, you're ready to close, but I mean, it's a burden about the glory of God and the gospel. It is. Yeah. But coming with that, maybe it comes as I get older too. I I, I kind of hopefully um, communicated that a little bit earlier. There's a sadness to me when I see yeah. young men and women buying these lies of a culture, oh, buying these lies, and knowing that it's ruining them. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah. And it's so sad to me. I want to grab some of these men and... Just hug them and say, don't go do that. Yeah. Don't go do that. Don't, don't, don't go do that. Don't. Don't, 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 don't go off that cliff. Oh. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And it grieves me. It grieves me. So when I see these things, yeah, there's a real, there's a real 
um, I think a right, loving <laughs> rightly, mm. a right kind of passion. Yep. We talked about passions; they can be goofy too. But I think this is a right one, right? Because it aligns with what God says. I think so too about humanity, and we should we should have great care. Yeah, and I think people just with because this is a very today. This is a very controversial topic. Oh man, there's, there's I could go in. We if if we this to, the, what you mean social justice? Oh man. Yeah, Sam, you've only crossed about uh, how tw- many lines? Twenty, twenty. How many if serious we, topics? Just, okay, good <laughs> night. Think about this. We're by God's grace, we can do this conversation in the safety of Dan Rudman's office. Well, now that you said where it's at, we're doing it. It's not well, safe people anymore. Don't, you don't know where your house is. <laughs> but guys, like if we had this discussion, let's say on a university campus, oh, like for people to see, people go crazy. People yeah. start rioting. This type of discussion causes the riots. That's so sad. It's crazy that yeah. we can't even have this discussion nowadays without people f- like freaking out. Mm. But that's it's just it's really is sad because this conversation needs to happen, and we're not just having this conversation. Like I said, because I like conflict, or like I like to you know be right, or I like to you know just you know be controversial. It's like we really do have a serious burden. We go to bed with a burden on our hearts that people are being deceived. And if people are deceived, then people are going to hell. Hmm. And that's a crazy, that's a real reality. Like the gospel is at stake. We need to protect it. We need to proclaim it. We need to, we need to preach it with everything that we have. And when something comes to assault the gospel as men, as men in the church, we need to stand against it and protect it and fight for it, fight for this bride, fight for this church. Mm. And it, it means, if it means I die, it means I die. And maybe, you know, because it's... It might been, mean somebody doesn't like you, Sam. Oh, man, it might mean <laughs> a few people don't like you. Man, oh, but that's like okay. Yeah. When people slander you, spurn your name on account of me, rejoice, says Jesus. Yeah. Rejoice, for your reward is great in heaven. Yeah. The perfect God of the universe, Jesus Christ, in human form, the man was without sin in any way. Never thought a wrong thought. Never, never did anything wrong. Was perfect. People hated him, and eventually they killed him. And they just killed him. They tortured him. Mm-hmm. They beat him. They spit on him. Yeah. They slapped him. They made him carry a cross. Yeah, and he told us they were going to do the same, they, same to us, right? And he said, "If they did it to me, they'll do it to you." The, wow. the servant. The slave is not greater than his master. Yep. They did it to me. They'll do it to you. And you, God, sometimes we got to read biographies once in a while. Yeah. We have to read some of the things that our brothers and our, and our sisters in Christ went through in the past. And sometimes we got to read books like Fox's Book of Martyrs and we read the accounts of the martyrs and what yeah. they went through and, you know, getting their eyelids cut off and their fingernails pulled out and their scut alive and thrown into hot tar and, and you know, f- fingers pulled off and, all those things for the name of Christ, and they endured it. And I go, wow, wow, man, hmm. I got to fight. Yeah, This is important. I feel like a total Christian wimp, boy. Man, it's like people, it's <laughs> God. Man, okay. You can make it through this life and stand for truth and not not get into some battles. You think, you're, think again. If you yeah. stand for truth today, you're going to get in some battles. Oh man, I feel it though. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully you're learning something. Hopefully, you, your fire is getting ignited in you for the gospel, and that's what this is all about. You know, again, you know the name of the podcast: preach and persuade. We're going to preach the truth, preach the co counsel of God, persuade people to the truthfulness and the trustworthiness of Scripture. 
And that's the vision. That's the heartbeat. So hopefully the scriptures are persuading you. Uh, don't listen to me. Listen to the scriptures. Because they're pretty clear and they're pretty powerful. So thank you for listening. Again, if you're helped by this podcast or enjoy it in any way, I really encourage you to share it with a friend or share it with somebody, share it with a family member. You know, post it on Facebook, whatever you want to do with it, or just don't share it with anybody. That's totally fine. You can do whatever you want. But thanks for listening.